Well, good morning. As Brad mentioned, my name is Billy Meenan. I work with high school students and a couple of other random areas of ministry as well. It's a privilege to be before you this morning. If you will please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the first 14 verses of the Gospel of John. But I want to introduce our text a little bit because there's some very unique things happening in, first, in the first chapter of John. And he starts off with a very, in a very powerfully and almost provocative way uh, when he starts with, in the beginning. Um, and what he's doing is he is um, causing the reader to think back to the very first words of the Bible in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. But here he says, in the beginning was the word. And so he's, he's, he's causing you to stop and think there. And, and verse 14, which we're going to read, tells us that the word is Jesus. And so he's, he's making this point, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He's making a very, um, during that time especially, a very provocative claim that the man Jesus was God. But not only God, but he was eternal. And he was with God and was God in the beginning. And in fact, he is the creative force. He created the world. The world was created through him. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is the creator. He was not created. He always was. And that's important for us to understand because this is John's thesis statement of his gospel. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. He is Yahweh. Which goes very starkly against what the Pharisees and what many other people were believing him to be and what many people today believe the historical Jesus to be. So John's starting off with a bang. Jesus is God. But he also refers to him in a very unique way as the Word. And you see it's, it's capitalized in, in the translations because we know it to be something unique. Why would he refer to Jesus as the Word? Uh, well, it, it certainly could be a response to numerous heresies and philosophical um, mumblings and murmurings of theories of existence that used this kind of existential word as a, a above all else knowledge. Um, and so he could be confronting that. But I think the point that's being made here, we have to understand how the word of God was used how the Word of God was used in the Old Testament, because he's drawing us back to this. Well, the Word of God is a very, very common theme in the Old Testament. Um, because, you see, the Word of God is described as being powerful and effective, something that can cause action. I can see my tie clip reflecting off people's faces right here. I'm going to take that off. I apologize if I blinded you. Um, sorry, I just saw like, I was like, what is that light flashing? Oh, 
I have ADD, sorry. Um, all right. So the Word of God is powerful and effective. Uh, we go back to Genesis 1, the passage that he's referring to here. God spoke creation into existence. He spoke and it was. The psalmist in Psalm 33 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. His voice, his word. In Isaiah 55 God, through the prophet, says, My word goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It will accomplish that which I purpose and will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is power. God's word is action. And God's word is perfect and will do what it says it is going to do. We see this theme all throughout the Old Testament. So what is John saying here? John is saying Jesus is the promise that was from the beginning and was throughout all of the Old Testament. Pastor Wheat spoke about this a little bit last week when he talks of the promise made to Eve as he's giving out the curses for sin. He says, yet your offspring will crush the head of the serpent. And the whole Old Testament is how God brought his people to the point to be prepared for the Messiah, for the offspring of Mary who would crush the head of the serpent, who would defeat evil, conquer sin for his, pe- for his people. God's will and power and action to save his people is now incarnate is now embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is God is faithful. God's word is coming true, and it's come true through the body of Jesus Christ. The word. It's very powerful. And then we'll see also here that in the, the word, that there is power for life and light. And we're going to focus on what the light means. So if you will, please go to John chapter one, and let me pray for us before we read the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for a chance to read your word without fear of retribution. Lord, let us not take that for granted. I pray that you would speak through your word as you promised to do. I pray that you would open our ears and soften our hearts that we would not simply hear your word, but receive it today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were not born, excuse me, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The light, the true light. This passage is saying that in him is light, in him is life, and this light of man. And it's a very important, is we're going to see a lot of contrast between light and dark, light and darkness. And in Jesus is light. Well, Romans chapter 1 tells us that darkness is in us. Uh, Paul describes the state of man outside of God. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. God uses visual light and darkness to teach us something very real about our existence. And in the beginning, God created light and he separated it from the darkness. So there is a tangible understanding for us to know of what sin has done to us. Sin has removed the light and replaced it with darkness. And that is our state. That is the state that we are in. But not only was our hearts darkened, but John later on tells us that the people, that we loved the darkness. We held on to the darkness. We chose the darkness. Jesus himself, he called himself the light of the world. He referred to himself as the light of the world And he says a little bit later on in in chapter 11, Jesus quotes as saying, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So there's this idea of, of, of blindness, of an inability to see. And so that's what I want to look at here is the light and how the light affects us. This week, uh, my wife, Christina, was asking me how my sermon was going, and I kind of gave her a little rundown. She says, you know, not all of your sermons have to have three points. And I said, I know. So anyway, here's three ways in which the light affects us. The light reveals, the light releases, and the light reclaims. So let's look at this. Reveals. The light of Jesus reveals. Psalm 119 verse 105 is a very very familiar verse when the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about a flashlight. As you hold a flashlight, whatever you point it at, something that was once hidden becomes revealed. You can now see it. 
And this, this is important because the darkness of our heart hides reality, hides truth, conceals truth. Uh, I thought back when I was, I think I was in junior high, I went to a lock-in at another, one of my friend's church. And there was this, for, I mean, and, and they were intense. Like at 10 o'clock, they turned the lights off. And like the whole rest of the time, we were in darkness. We weren't supposed to go to bed or anything. We were just in darkness. And this, one of the kids came late who I was interacting with. And I didn't see his face. I didn't know anything about him. But that whole night, I spent time interacting with him and playing games with him. And in my mind, I had this complete picture of who he was. And of course, I thought someone with dark hair, green eyes, blue eyes, light skin, someone who probably looks similar to me. And I had kind of built up a whole identity of who this kid was. And then in the morning when the lights came on and he was an African-American and I had no, and it it just blew my mind when I saw the reality and that the reality was absolutely nothing about what my mind had created. That's what sin does to us. It creates a reality in our mind that is false. False. And this is why we love the darkness, because we chase after things that we think will save us. We chase after things that we think will make us comfortable or happy. We cling to those things. But the light has come to reveal reality to us. And that's a good thing. But it's a hard thing. Because the light is going to reveal the lies that you cling to. The light is going to reveal the darkness and sin in your heart. And it's painful. This is part of the reason why Jesus was rejected by people. Is he spoke truth. He revealed the conditions of their hearts. And we don't like that. We don't like to be shown to be wrong. But that's what the light does. He reveals, the light reveals the ugly darkness that has captured us and which we have grown to love. But the light of Jesus also reveals to us the beauty and love that is ours through grace. And that brings us to the the second. The light reveals and the light reveals releases. We are held captive by the darkness in our hearts. We are held captive by darkness. Uh, I saw this work out uh, in in a kind of a funny way. Uh, Over Thanksgiving break, my family and I went and we got a little Airbnb cabin in the middle of nowhere. And it was out in the forest, away from any cities or lights. And it was at night, it was dark. Like, it's the kind of dark that you feel like you could feel if you reached out and touched it. That dark, tar, soupy dark. Or something, I don't know. But it's just, I mean, the blackness where, like, if you stuck your hand out, you had have trouble seeing what was in your hand. And the place where we were was this beautiful, it was about seven acres. I had uh, really tall trees, but they had cleaned out all the brush. So my kids and my dog just ran amok. They ran all over the place, climbing and jumping and, and rolling. And they just went all over this place without any fear. 
But then when the sun set, that place changed. And we had set up a, I lit a campfire before it got dark. And as we were huddled around the campfire, we're looking around. And this area that my children were once just running around like crazy, they didn't even want to venture three feet from the light of the fire. Because what's in that darkness? We don't know. The sound of an acorn falling during the day, you don't even think about it. At night, it's a monster. (laughs) We have no idea what's in the darkness. This is how it is in our hearts. Our hearts are held captive by that darkness. Just like my children would not venture away from that campfire. There was no way they were going where they couldn't see. That's what happens to our hearts. This is why we cling to the things that we think save us. Now, not to make it out as though I'm also not afraid of the dark. Later that night, uh, they all fell asleep a little bit earlier and I wanted to watch a movie. And, but I didn't want to wake them, so I was like, oh, I'll just go sit out on the porch. I had a nice big porch, rocking chairs, a cool little breeze. So I brought a blanket out there and a laptop. I made it about three minutes into the movie before I started hearing things behind me and I ran back inside. So... <laughs> The darkness is scary for all of us. But this is, this is the reality. This is the reality that we don't know what we're missing because the darkness has blinded us. And then as soon as the sun comes up, that terrifying monster-filled area was once again a playground because the light reveals. Jesus releases us from the darkness and replaces it with his light. Uh, many of you have, have either seen on social media or, or heard of my personal journey of, of health and being a better steward of my body through weight loss. Um, and one of the things that I'm doing is I'm not cutting my hair until I get to a good point. So if you see me getting scra- more and more scraggly, um, it's because of, of that. But one of the things that I'm, I'm learning as I go through this is that there's nothing in our lives that is separated from our spiritual reality. The food that I eat, the exercise that I do or don't do, is a spiritual act that I do before God. And I didn't realize this to an extent. And I began to see that food was becoming something that I was trying to fill darkness with, that I was trying to fill emptiness with. And as I stopped doing that, I realized that that was emptiness that could be filled by the Holy Spirit. And it was not so much important, or only as important as what I did not put in my body, but it's just as important what I did put in my body. I couldn't just stop the darkness. The darkness had to be replaced. And so I've realized that. We can't just stop sinning. We can't just stop chasing idols. It has to be replaced by the beauty and the love of the light of Jesus Christ. And that's important for us to understand because as the light releases us, we realize that we have been reclaimed. The light reclaims us. Light replaces darkness 
and reclaims its inhabitants. Uh, our, our call to worship this morning was actually the passage that I wanted to use to help us understand what's going on here. So we have in Isaiah chapter 9, so this is in the Old Testament. This is God prophesying through the, the words or through the voice or the mouth of a man, his very words. And this is what he says, Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The word of God. The promise that he has been given, giving to his people from the very beginning. A child. We walk in a world of darkness. And we don't even know it. We feel crushed by that darkness. We look to fill that darkness, to hide from that darkness. But in the end, we love the darkness and it kills us. But look at verse 12 of our passage, John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The light makes us royalty. Son of the King. Son of God. We have power over the darkness. The darkness does not consume us as it once did. Because God has brought the light of life. You become eternally a child of God. Loved and protected. Chosen and cherished. This is the reality of what Jesus Christ came to do for us. The light has come as a gift to reveal reality to us, to release us from the darkness and to reclaim us as children of light, as royalty, as heirs to the kingdom. Now, the reality is that darkness has been defeated but not yet destroyed. We still wait and look forward to when Jesus will return and destroy forever the darkness, that we may be brought into the perfect light of his presence. And we look to that day. We hope for that day. We live earnestly waiting. You are and will experience darkness in your hearts, in your minds, in your limbs. But be reminded, look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I read uh, one commentator uh, on this, and he says, it, this, this, the, the passage here is describing something, that the darkness cannot overcome the light. This is, this is something he's saying, this is not a fair fight. The light and the darkness are not equal adversaries. The light cannot be overcome. It's impossible. Dwelling 
Within your soul is the very true light. Let's look at verse 12 and 13 again to close. But to all who did not receive him, he, who believed in him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but God. The world, which is deceived by darkness, is going to tell you the answers within you. The answers within your own ability. Try harder. Meditate differently. Spend money differently. You have the ability to make yourself better. Baloney. The darkness has deceived us. Don't believe the lie that the answer is within your own abilities. Look to Jesus Christ, the light, with the childlike faith that he has called to us. Grab it. Cling to it. If you're experiencing that darkness right now, my prayer is that the truth and the reality of what Jesus has done for us will fill that void. May the Word of God, the powerful, effective Word of God through the life and death of Jesus Christ replace the darkness in our hearts. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I confess that at times I cling to darkness. I cling to things that I think will bring me happiness or fulfillment or worthiness. Lord, I thank you that your light reveals the the things that I'm clinging to that are killing me. Lord, there are times when we despair, when we live outside of the reality of the hope that we have. But I pray that you would be with us, that you would use your powerful spirit to transform our minds and our hearts and let us rely on the beautiful gift of Jesus Christ in all that we do. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.